0: Hi, hello, and welcome to episode number 62 of the Ball Don't Lie podcast. My name is Adi Elmore. I am your host. Happy to be here. Happy to be recording on a Victory Monday. And for those of you that listen to the podcast frequently, or pay attention when, when, you know, when I talk, you know that I normally record this on Tuesdays. But uh, some things have shaken up in my line of work, in my world of work, in my quote-unquote real job. And uh, so I have to work on Tuesday night, and I might have to be doing that for, I don't know, quite some time. So the uh, the time of the recording changes, which is fine, because if I'm going to do it on Monday nights, then I get to uh, maybe preview a little Monday Night Football, which would, make, would be absolutely pointless, because you're going to listen to it on Tuesday. Uh, or I could, you know... Uh, it's, the NFL is more fresh in my mind, uh, let's put it that way, on days like today, which would be a Monday, and a victory Monday at that. Who saw that one coming? Rejoice and be glad in it. The Cincinnati Bengals won a football game, and they won one against a pretty good football team in the Tennessee Titans. We'll talk about that. Obviously, I'll tell you right now, right off jump, it's going to be NFL-centric, NFL-heavy, and it's probably going to be a relatively quick podcast that you're listening to. By the time you have this turned on, you already know that, though, because you've seen the length of the podcast by the time you press the play button. and We'll talk about, I'm going to lead off and talk about the Bengals, just because that's fresh in my mind, and that's what everybody seems to be talking about um, in Cincinnati at the moment, and also um, NFL Week 8 in general. I'm going to recap that, go through the scoreboard, see where we're at at the halfway point of the season as we've completed week eight, or we will be by the time you're listening to this, I'll give my mid season awards and I'll give you um, the latest from the NFL standings. And uh, I haven't looked back at my predictions from before the season started yet. I will do that a little bit later on. That's for another episode, but um, I'm also planning on having Dr. Syed Tabatabai back on the podcast within the next couple of weeks um, as you know, with uh, the election coming up and everything, the COVID and coronavirus has been the center of attention for a lot of people. And with the surges happening in almost every single state, it's. I thought it would be timely to have him back almost seven or eight months exactly from the time I had him before in early March. I had him on, on March 10th, 2020, right before things really hit the fan with coronavirus. So I spoke with uh, with Dr. T earlier this week, and uh, he said he would be down to come on again sometime in the next week or two. So hopefully we will, uh, we will hear from him just to see kind of a status update where we're at, what he's seeing in his experiences and um, all that. So looking forward to talking to him at some point. Uh, got a lot of positive feedback from that in the past. So uh, really excited to to talk with him. Obviously, you wish it was under better circumstances. I wish I could ask him about, you know, why my knee hurts so bad or, you know, some sort of injury that happened like Dak Prescott. But uh, COVID obviously rules the roost. So we will talk to him another time. But NFL Midseason Awards Week 8 scores where we're looking on the standings as we uh, reach the halfway point, And most importantly, um, where we are with COVID, I guess, in the NFL as well. But. The story of the day is unquestionably the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, I, I always like to try to tell myself in the back of my head, any given Sunday, it can happen to anybody at any time, any place, because we've seen it, seen it time and time and time again. Over the course of the history of the National Football League, you see teams that have absolutely no business winning football games win football games. And it's November 1st, the Bengals are still three games under 500. yada, yada, yada. I get it. And on the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter that much, but this was a huge win for Zach Taylor, and it was a huge win for the Cincinnati Bengals, and let me explain to you why. All hell continued to break loose around this team this week. They finally traded Carlos Dunlap, got him to the Seattle Seahawks. Good for Carlos, good for the team. Got an offensive lineman in return for him named B.J. Finney, who played some time with the Pittsburgh Steelers over the past few years and seems to be an upgrade. The Bengals signed a guard in Quentin Spain who actually saw considerable action on Sunday and played well. You have your left tackle Jonah Williams get hurt. He misses Sunday's game. You have Michael Jordan, your other your left guard, get sick before the game. He can't play. You've got your starting center, Trey Hopkins. He's injured. He can't play. You've got your starting right tackle and Bobby Hart injured, and he can't play. Oh, and by the way, you're going up against Jadavian Clowney and the Tennessee Titans. Now, the Titans' defense this season has not been all that good. They specifically have had problems rushing the passer. That was no different on Sunday because they didn't sack or hit Burrow one time. Which, you know, you think, oh, gosh, well, the Titans must really suck. But then you think about the Bengals had their entire, almost entire second string offensive line in the football game, and they still protected Burrow that well. Which is very impressive, and I think the Bengals deserve credit when credit's due. Because everybody is is always quick to just bash the offensive line and bash the offensive line coach Jim Turner and Ben Martin and all these guys. Well, hold on a second. When they play well, when they play good enough to win the football game, you got to give them credit. Zach Taylor gave them credit. Zach Taylor gave Billy Price a game ball today. We'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. But all that's going on, you are still kind of coming down off the Carlos Dunlap situation. Oh, by the way, Joe Mixon's not playing because he's hurt still. And the weather is going to be cold and windy, and you're worried about that. Oh, by the way, John Ross is popping off on a Friday before the game talking about how he wants to be traded from Cincinnati because he feels like he's not being used correctly. So this is now the second time that you've had a player openly say he wants traded and wants out of Cincinnati. And the John Ross thing is interesting to me because – Ross, I think it is undoubt, there, there's no doubt about it at all, that he is an extremely talented receiver. I think he can absolutely play in the National Football League. We've seen flashes of it from John Ross in the past. At this point last year, Ross was injured, but through the first four games of the season, he led the National Football League in receiving yards. He was making some big plays. He was catching the football. He was doing everything right through the first quarter of the season. Rewind the year before that, Ross didn't catch very many balls for very many yards, but he caught seven touchdowns. That was still under Marvin Lewis. He was drafted by Marvin Lewis and had a very strange rookie year where he didn't see much playing time. He was a little bit hurt, and it seemed to be he was in Marvin's doghouse. It was a really strange thing that we still really haven't gotten the answers to. 2018 played well, good enough. Looking for that next step. 2019 seemed to be that next step, but he got hurt again. The injuries have been his bugaboo for the majority of his career. Gets another opportunity at the start of 2020. Has dropped a couple passes, has seemed, I don't know, distant, so on and so forth. I've talked to people in the Ross camp. They say that, you know, Ross is just kind of done with Cincinnati. It's not that he loves, he doesn't love football, which was an accusation made by Jimmy Rowe, Fox 19 here in Cincinnati, saying John Ross doesn't love football. I asked you know, some people that I know, is that true? Is that a fair thing to say about John Ross? They said, no, it's not that he doesn't love football. I think he just doesn't love Cincinnati anymore. Or maybe that he never loved it in the first place. I don't know. So when, when those two things happen, I, I question because I look around the rest of the locker room, and I'm not in that locker room, and I don't pretend to be. But I look around the rest of that locker room, and I see guys like Jesse Bates, like Tyler Boyd, like Vaughn Bell, like Joe Burrow, like Billy Price, like Logan Wilson. And I say, okay, well, these guys are the, the core of the team. They're the future of the team, the Drew, the Drew Samples and the Sam Hubbards of the world, and they don't seem to have a problem buying in. The guys that have had the most problems here have been the guys that were really involved in the Marvin Lewis era, the Carlos Dunlaps. Dark Quest Denard has said some things. He's with the Atlanta Falcons now. And you you just start to wonder, okay, what, what uh, what's going on? Why what's the disconnect? Well, specifically with the Ross situation? What's the disconnect between what this new coaching staff and Zach Taylor is trying to do and with John Ross? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. So, I think it would be unfair to say that all of the blame falls on John Ross's shoulders. And I think it would be unfair to say that all of the blame falls on the coaching staff's shoulders. I've said this before. I think it just didn't work out. Those things happen in the National Football League. It's a shame because the Bengals, if they could have been able to utilize Ross correctly, If it would have been able to work out that both the the player and the coach and the team and the organization could have gotten on the same page, you could have had a very dynamic playmaker in John Ross. I mean, the one thing that the Bengals' offense is missing right now is the deep ball. Joe Burrow is putting up points after points after points. The Bengals have punted like six times in their last three games. That's really, really good. They didn't punt at all last week, two weeks ago against Cleveland. So the the offense is starting to click. We're starting to see more of that offense that we saw under, when we saw in, in Zach Taylor's first game, quite honestly, against the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm really interested to see what they do in terms of stretching the ball, stretching the field, going downfield more, and what they're going to have to do to find that dynamic playmaker. T. Higgins is starting to prove that he can be that. Tyler Boyd is probably the best slot receiver in the NFL. I'd put him up there with anybody. They're converting on third downs uh, the best in the NFL. I think they're converting on fourth downs the best in the NFL as well. So the Bengals over the over the last three weeks on third down, I should say, the Bengals are – you're trending up, and I am so optimistic about them, and I understand that, and I've said this in the past, you go week to week with, the, with football and, and with teams in the NFL – and it's like every week is make or break. Every week is the Super Bowl, and you never know what's going to happen, the reaction on the Monday after the game. But I went into Sunday kind of not expecting them to win. As I to be quite honest with you, and I don't say this to, to pick on the Bengals, but I don't expect them to win that many games in the first place. So you're obviously pleasantly surprised when they win a game the way that they did. The Tennessee Titans were 5-1 coming into Paul Brown Stadium. And the Bengals dominated them. On every side of the ball, offense, defense, special teams, it really wasn't that close. The one thing the Titans had going for them was Derrick Henry. He still rushed at a pretty good clip. And that's good. That's good for Tennessee. But, you know, the Bengals got out to the – it was perfect. The Bengals got out to a lead where they couldn't really let the Titans run the ball down the Bengals' throat. There was one drive. About midway through the second quarter, Tennessee had a 10-play, 75-yard drive that lasted four minutes and 22 seconds, and nine of the 10 plays were runs. And I was really surprised that Tennessee didn't go back to that because I just said 10 plays in four minutes, 75 yards, and nine were runs. And they just ran the ball down the Bengals' throat. They still averaged well over five yards a carry. And that's that's not winning football on the defensive side of the ball for Cincinnati, And I was just shocked that Tennessee didn't go back to that at any point. But that's credit to Joe Burrow and the Bengals' offense for continuing to put points on the board, put pressure on Tennessee, and force them to throw the football. Taking a look at the stats from the game, Joe Burrow, 26 for 37, 249 yards, two touchdowns. T. Higgins had six catches for 78 yards. Tyler Boyd had six catches, 67 yards, and a touchdown. Giovanni Bernard rushed one for a touchdown and caught one for a touchdown from Joe Burrow. Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill, 18 for thirty-two hundred thirty-three 233 yards, one pick, one touchdown. Derrick Henry had 18 carries for 112 yards and one touchdown. And Corey Davis had eight catches for 128 yards and one touchdown. This is the signature win of the Zach Taylor era, because if you look at Zach's other three wins, he beat the Cleveland Browns, the New York Jets, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Three uh, really not good football teams. I think we can all agree on that. But this one, you had a home game. And, and Zach has kept saying over and over again in the postgame press conferences and his meetings with the press that the dam is going to break, that you can feel it bubbling up with this football team. And it felt like, in a way, the dam finally broke for the Bengals today, or on Sunday. And good for them because they've earned it. And they've been so close, so, so, so close to winning these games. And, you know, there's just one or two, three plays away, it seems like, every week from being a competitive football team, being 6-2. and I said it a couple weeks ago on this podcast. They are so close to being a good football team, but they're just not. But you go out there and you, you play the way you did. That tells me that that the message is getting through. People are getting focused. Things are starting to click. And you feel really, really cautiously optimistic about this Bengals team. I said earlier that Billy Price got one of the game balls uh, from Zach Taylor and the Bengals after the game. Let's listen in. This is Zach Taylor in the Bengals locker room after the game giving out some game balls. what we were waiting on from start to finish. We needed guys to step up, and everyone stepped up. First game ball, Jesse Bates with the turnover. Yeah. Yeah. Two more game balls, Jimmy Turner yes ben yeah. and And that game that is really everything that we're about. But he shows up to work every day with a smile on his face, plays his ass off, and he's come to this moment. He let us down the field, Billy Price. Know it. let's continue man let's go if that ain't music to your ears video courtesy of the cincinnati bengals their twitter account zach taylor in the locker room after the game and to see that the smile on the face of billy price who is one of my favorite players and uh, someone that I've I've been able to talk with quite a bit. He's just the nicest dude in the world. And and uh, you just root for people like that because you know they're working their butts off. And for them to get an opportunity to make the most of it and help a team win a football game is just incredible. And that's that's just got to be exhilarating for Zach Taylor. You listen to a post-game press conference, and you can tell. Dude's just absolutely fired up. And so now you got your team playing as good as they've played all year. You're going into a bye week, and you get the chance to go – to Pittsburgh, your arch rival, the first time in Joe Burrow's career, a game that was flexed from 1 o'clock till 425, so it would be a little bit bigger audience most likely in that situation, and you've got a huge opportunity to to do something crazy. The Steelers are undefeated, and listen, not many teams you know, waltz into the season, 8-0, 9-0, 10-0, whatever it might be, and we just found out any given Sunday, anything can happen. Listen, I'm cautiously optimistic I said that. I have said time and time again, I'm not getting too invested in this season, but I don't know how you could be a Bengals fan or someone, anyone remotely around the franchise and not be very, very excited with what you've seen from this football team over the course of the last three weeks. Because as Dave Lapham likes to say, the the color voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, at some point the worm will turn. It seems like maybe the worm is turning. When we get back on the Ball Don't Live podcast, we're going to talk about the NFL Week 8 scores, who's leading the league in all the statistical categories. We'll do all that good stuff, check the standings, and more. You're listening to the Ball Don't Lie podcast. All right, let's get started. I don't ever do this, adding some music, trying to spice it up. NFL Week 8 games around the NFL started on Thursday night football. The Atlanta Falcons over the Carolina Panthers 25-17. Atlanta has won six of their last seven games against Carolina Patriots and the Bills in Buffalo. New England falling 24-21. They have lost four straight games for the first time since 2002. The Patriots are 2-5, Buffalo 6-2. In Cincinnati, as you know, the Bengals 2-5-1 now with a victory over the Tennessee Titans who fall to 5-2, 31-20 the final. Giovanni Bernard, two scrimmage touchdowns, ties a career high. An absolute disgusting weather game in Cleveland, but the Las Vegas Raiders prevail 16-6. Shout out to Kayla Martin who was at that game, my good friend big Raider Nation guy Oakland, or excuse me, Las Vegas goes to 4 and 3, the Browns 5 and 3. Las Vegas fewest points allowed since week 15, 2012. Paul Gunther got those boys playing. Colts over the Lions 41-21. Indianapolis goes to 5 and 2. The Lions now 3 and 4. Detroit has lost 7 straight home games. That's the longest active streak. Big surprise, another one in this week eight NFL matchup Vikings 28 Packers 22 Dalvin Cook the third player with four plus touchdowns in a game in Minnesota history Green Bay goes to five and two Chiefs all over the Jets seven uh, Chiefs all over the Jets 35 to nine the Chiefs now go to seven and one the Jets are 0 and eight they are 0 and eight for the second time in franchise history last time it happened was 1996 Another surprising victory for a team this week. The Dolphins over the Rams 28-17. Los Angeles falls to 5-3. and three, The Dolphins 4-3. and three. Miami three straight wins by 10 or more points for the first time since 2014. What's this music going to be? I have no idea. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bring it on. Bring it us this is good stuff right here <laughs> if you're not having flashbacks what are you doing saints 26 over the bears 23 both those teams have five wins the bears three losses the saints two will lutz a game-winning 35-yard field goal in overtime seahawks over the 49ers 37 to 27 seattle advances to six and one the 49ers are four and four bad news for them today greg kittle that's an inside joke if you listen to pardon my take george kittle out significant time with a broken foot jimmy garoppolo out significant time with a high ankle injury things are not good in san francisco by the way they lost nick bosa for the start of for the rest of the year as well cowboys and eagles in the sunday night football game philadelphia wins 30 or excuse me 23 to 9. they go to three four and one dallas falls to two and six the eagles are in first place in the nfc east with that three four and one record in the AFC North, it was the Steelers over the Ravens 28 24. Pittsburgh remains undefeated. That's the second time in team history they've started a season 7 0. Last time they did it was 1978. Baltimore falls to 5 2. And then the Denver Broncos come back late to, be- to beat the Los Angeles Chargers 31 30. Denver now 3 4. They've won four of their last five games against the Chargers. Teams on a bye the Cardinals, the Washington football team, the Jags. And the Texans, that is everything you need to know in terms of scores from week eight in the NFL. Let's take a look at the current standings as we've reached the halfway point here this year. And uh, I'll be kind of, I'll, I'll be real honest with you, uh, not too surprising. The Seattle Seahawks lead the NFC West at 6-1, and one, Arizona behind them at 5-2, and two, the Rams at 5-3. and three. The Eagles lead the NFC East at 3-4-1. Washington, Dallas, and New York all have combined for five wins and uh, 17 losses. Pretty ugly there. Uh, NFC North still belongs to the Green Bay Packers. They're 5-2. Chicago right behind them at 5-3. The NFC South is uh, is getting interesting. The Saints and Buccaneers are tied for first place. They're both 5-2. Tampa Bay plays later tonight as I'm recording this. So that could change in the American Football Conference. Buffalo leads the AFC East. They are six and two. The Dolphins are in second place at four and three. AFC South: the Titans and Colts are tied atop the, the division. They are both five and two. AFC North: Pittsburgh seven and zero, oh, Baltimore five and two, Cleveland five and three. AFC West: the Kansas City Chiefs are seven and one. The Las Vegas Raiders four and three. The Broncos three and four. Everyone else is uh, basically. Out of it. If the playoffs started today, if the playoffs started today, the first seven teams in the NFC, your number one seed would be the Seattle Seahawks. Your two seed would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, then you've got the, this is just, let's just go, let's not do the playoff scenario. Let's just give you your top seven teams the Seahawks, the Buccaneers, the Cardinals, the Packers, the Saints, the Bears, and the Rams. That would be your, probably your seven playoff teams. Uh, right around there, and the AFC: the Steelers, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Colts, the Ravens, the Titans, and the Cleveland Browns. So the Las Vegas Raiders, right there, nipping on their heels. Let's take a look at the league leaders in the NFL when it comes to the different statistical categories. You're going to hear a name on here quite a bit. He's a uh, his name's Joe Burrow. He leads the NFL in passes completed and passing attempts. Your NFL leader in passing yards is Matt Ryan. He's got 2,462. Joe Burrow is uh, third on that list with 2,272 passing touchdowns. Russell Wilson kind of blowing everybody out. He's got 26. Mahomes is next with 21. Rodgers with 20. Passer rating that's also Russell Wilson at 120.8. The longest pass of the year was thrown by Ben Roethlisberger. He had an 84-yard completion. Passes intercepted. Well, Carson Wentz is uh, he's hard to watch, but they're in first place, so I guess he's a winner. He's thrown 12 interceptions this year. Everybody's good friend Kirk Cousins is second with 10, and then several are tied at third with seven. Carson Wentz and Joe Burrow have been sacked the most this year. Carson Wentz 32 times, Joe Burrow 28 times. Wentz has lost more yards on sacks than Burrow, and um, it's it's, uh, it's actually a pretty close race for a couple bad offensive lines right there. Your league leader in pick six is thrown. It's a three-way tie with Tom Brady, Sam Darnold, And Matt Stafford. What else do we need to know? Your league leader in rushing is Derrick Henry. Your receiving yards leader is DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Dalvin Cook leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns with 10. Derrick Henry also has the most rushing attempts with 161. He's also run the longest run of the year with a 94-yard rush that he has. He's averaging 110 yards per game on the ground, which also leads the NFL. Are Are you starting to hear anything here? Derrick Henry is a beast. Your receiving touchdowns leader is uh, its a whole bunch of people tied at seven. Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Tyler Lockett, D.K. Metcalf, and Adam Thielen have all caught seven touchdowns this year. Longest completion goes to Chase Claypool. As you know, we heard Ben Roethlisberger earlier through the longest completion, he threw it to Chase Claypool. DeAndre Hopkins leads the league in yards per game with 100.6. Devontae Adams is right there with him. And uh, Julio Jones is in the in uh, towards the top there as well. Points scored, you already know. Fat Randy leads the NFL in points scored with seventy four. Dalvin Cook though, right behind him at seventy two. That guy has just scored so many touchdowns. He leads the league in combined touchdowns, rushing and receiving, with eleven. He uh, he's unbelievable uh, all the way around. So those are your league leaders. So I I've been I was thinking as I was preparing for this podcast, you know, maybe I should give away some. Some midseason awards. Maybe I should should bring something up to, to uh, to, to you know whatever. Just to fill some time and talk about it and all that. So midseason awards. And I didn't put all that much thought into them. And you might not care about this at all, but you're here, so you might as well listen. My midseason awards. My MVP. It, it's undoubtedly Russell Wilson. He is putting the Seahawks on his back, especially for a team, a, a team to be six and one like they are to have played some good teams like they have and to have basically no defense and specifically a defense that can't rush the passer at all. Like Seattle. uh, It's very impressive that he continues to just put that team on his back and will them to victory week in and week out. And the connection with DK Metcalf is really, really special and you can make the argument. People have texted me and made this argument. And DK Metcalf is a top five wide receiver in this league. And I'll tell you what, he certainly is playing like it. So my MVP is is absolutely Russell Wilson. But he, you know, a lot of times the MVP and the offensive player of the year, they kind of go hand in hand. But I disagree on that. This time I'm giving it to Derrick Henry. You heard me say the amount of times he led the league in a category, longest rush, rushing attempts, rushing yards, all this stuff, yards per game, yards per attempt, blah, 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 whatever it might be. Derrick Henry, if the Titans are going to go on a run here and win their division, and they're tied right now with the Indianapolis Colts, but if they're going to go on a run and win their division, it's going to be because the weather gets cold and they're going to turn the ball over and, and hand it to Derrick Henry and let him run them to victory. Their defense also stinks. Like I said, they can't rush the a Very similar situation to Seattle. They've got a great playmaker on offense and a defense that isn't all that great. So the the rep recipe for success for Tennessee is going to be running the football and shortening the game the best they can, keeping their defense off the field so I think if Tennessee goes on a run here and and gets into the playoffs wins their division whatever it might be it's going to be on the back of Derrick Henry I think he's going to be the offensive player of the year or that's what I'm giving him the offensive player of the year at this point in the season also looking ahead defensive player of the year is Aaron Donald he leads the league in sacks no surprise there whatsoever he continues to be the most disruptive force in football head to toe no doubt about it. He is just unbelievably good, so fun to watch, and um, he's he just wrecks your game plan. He wrecks your entire offense, and uh, he's a big part of the reason, I think, that, uh, that the Rams are off to as good of a start as they are. Your Offensive Rookie of the Year, you know what I'm saying for this one. I mean, you know what I'm saying for this one. Joe Burrow, no explanation needed. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Antoine Winfield Jr. I think this kid has played so good. We're going to get a chance to see him again tonight. He is just unbelievable and playing really, really well for a Tampa defense that's starting to get get the get things under under control there and and settled in. And you know, I feel old because I remember watching his dad play, but uh, Antoine Winfield uh, Jr. has been uh, a really nice addition to the Tampa defense and just makes big plays and has been able to be a, a pure cover guy. Has picked off a ball or two, and uh, he's just been impressive, Antoine Winfield Jr. You're a defensive rookie of the year for me. Comeback player of the year. I, as much as I hate to say it, and I wish failure upon him at all times. Uh, ben Roethlisberger. He's he's been spectacular. Steelers are seven and zero. He's done everything he needed to do. He's gotten a, a nice connection with Chase Claypool. He's he's keeping him in football games. He looks healthy, and uh, he looks like you know Big Ben just messing around out there, just kind of lollygagging, and somehow completing passes and keeping the Steelers in the game. So he would be my comeback player of the year. Uh, the early candidate for that was Cam Newton, but he has fallen flat on his face over the past couple of weeks. My coach of the year, this might be surprising to some. I think Ron Rivera obviously deserves some credit. I think that when I think that Bill Belichick was going to get same thing, you know, but Cam Newton fell on his face, and the Patriots have kind of have fallen back a little bit. Sean McDermott is in this conversation. I love him. He's one of my favorite coaches in the NFL. The the uh the Buffalo Bills, the way that they're playing. And I think finally with with McDermott getting his first ever win as a Bills head coach over the Patriots this past weekend is a big deal, but my I'm giving it to Brian Flores who I, I, he may have actually won this award last year. I can't remember if he did or not, but he is just I just love everything that he's doing and, and you know, he made the decision obviously I felt it was preconceived to to go with Tua Tagovailoa over Ryan Fitzpatrick at the midway point of the year at their bye week and come back, coming out, you know, playing a good Rams defense, which by the way, they won the game, Tua threw for like 90 yards. He didn't play all that great. But, you know, Flores made a hard, difficult decision. They've got a top five draft pick at the moment in the trade from Houston. And you got to know what you have in Tua Tagovailoa and if he's healthy and and what you got? there's it's not an expectation to win a lot this year, but they're putting themselves in a position to win, which is just spectacular. And you know, he just from the moment he stepped in there, you could tell them dudes were fighting hard for Brian Flores. They were playing hard. They were leaving it all on the field. And uh, I I think the Dolphins are an interesting team to watch. I think they're fun. Uh, Tua is I don't I, I've said that I don't think Tua is going to be that great of an NFL quarterback. I still believe that. Um, but I think the Dolphins are are doing the right thing right now to try to see what they have in him because if if the Texans continue to stink the way that they stink, Miami could be in the position to get another quarterback. I don't know if they're going to do that, but the next seven games for Tua Tagovailoa and perhaps the playoffs uh, will be a big indicator of what Miami wants to do with that pick. So Brian Flores, my coach of the year for that. Those are my uh, my big my, my mid-season awards right there. Uh, we do have a little bit of breaking news, non-football related, um, but Trevor Bauer, the Reds right-handed pitcher, the starting pitcher who had a spectacular season uh, for the Reds, uh, it was just announced at 7.17 p.m. via the Reds, Twitter page that uh, Bauer has officially been named a finalist for the 2020 National League Cy Young Award. He is the favorite to win the award. I don't think there's anybody else nearly as deserving as Trevor Bauer and uh, he has just been really, really fun to watch and uh, his free agency has opened up. The Reds offered him a qualifying offer of $18.9 million um, which uh, Trevor Bauer will probably smile and say no thank you and uh, get some more money at another time there so uh, but uh, interesting enough his free agency has opened up and uh, I think the Reds are absolutely in play Uh, I think they're absolutely in play for him to come back I don't I don't think it's going to happen but I think they're they're in that conversation so uh, really interesting to say the least and congrats to Trevor for that if he wins it he will be the first Reds pitcher to ever win the Cy Young award so That pretty much wraps it up. I told you it was going to be a quick one. I hope it was quick enough for you, and I hope you enjoyed it. By the way, Ohio State wins big over the weekend over Penn State. Uh, Still got some things to worry about. Sean Wade, the the cornerback for Ohio State, he he was probably the best slot corner in the country last year and moves to the outside this year, and he's been exposed, and he just did not play well at all. On Saturday night, there was somebody I was having a conversation with last week that said that they didn't think Sean Wade was a first-round pick. I thought, you're crazy. The dude was spectacular last year. Then I watched him get worked all night by a true freshman at Penn State, and I thought, oh, my God, maybe that guy's right. Maybe Sean Wade is not a first-round pick. Whatever happened Saturday night, Wade lost a lot of money in that game. So you hate to see that. Hopefully he can turn it around along with uh, some of the Ohio State Offensive players as well. That will do it for me. Like I said, next week hoping to have Doctor Sayed Tabatabai on to talk about coronavirus, where we're at with that as we head into the winter, and obviously we'll talk NFL, whatever happened in college football, Major League Baseball. We should know the winners of those awards by then. All that and more. In the meantime, don't forget that ball don't lie. Appreciate you listening, and then always have fun. Be safe. Go Bucks.